coming up. Sylvia's sister and family had the quote, beauty scene is never lost, etched onto her grave marker. A very fitting reminder of the beautiful person she was. This team will never stop trying to identify people who have taken members of our community away. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Before we get into today's story, we have an update on a case we told you about recently. The arrest of Dallas police officer Brian Reiser. As we told you about, Reiser was facing capital murder charges in connection to two murders in the Dallas area in 2017. Investigators charged Reiser with hiring a hitman in both cases, and Dallas Police Chief Eddie Garcia announced Reiser's arrest in early March. That all changed last week as a Dallas judge ruled no probable cause against Reiser and dropped the charges against him. He walked out of jail a free man. Here's Kevin Reese reporting for WFAA. Uh, disappointed uh, in yesterday's ruling. There's no question, I'm not gonna lie about that. And Dallas Police Chief Eddie Garcia in a brief afternoon news conference said that case, as far as the department is concerned, will continue. Oh, 100% innocent from the get-go. Officer Brian Reiser, released from jail on Wednesday, had been in jail a month, implicated in the murders of Lisa Sands and Albert Douglas. Much of the evidence supplied by convicted killer Emmanuel Kilpatrick, who said the former officer and former school classmate hired him to kill the pair. But in a Wednesday hearing, a Dallas homicide detective admitted to mistakes in that investigation. And although a prior judge had agreed to two previous probable cause warrants for Reiser's arrest, Judge Audrey Moorhead determined there was no longer any probable cause and ordered Reiser be set free. I support the work uh, that our detectives did uh, and in conjunction with the FBI on this case. Uh, and we're going to continue to thoroughly investigate uh, investigate this case, which we feel, uh, which we feel, and still feel, we had probable cause for. As for Riser being a former officer, Chief Garcia says the decision to fire him from the force still stands, although he could not go into detail. This in no way changes uh, Mr. Riser's employment status. Uh, there were other issues uh, in the administrative investigation. Now, with the former officer out of jail, Brian Riser is still working to fully clear his name. The Dallas Police Department justifying its investigation, very much doing the same. We will continue to keep you updated on this case here on The Daily Crime as any new developments may come in. Almost four decades ago, a brutal murder took place in a suburb just outside of Denver. On August 4th, 1981, 34-year-old Sylvia Quayle was found dead inside her home, discovered there by her father. I'm joined by KUSA 9 News reporter Matt Jablo. Matt can you tell us about this original crime scene? It's pretty pretty horrific. Yeah, it, it really was. Well, it was um, it was a gruesome scene by uh, investigators' accounts. Um, the uh, the phone line into her house had been cut. Apparently, uh, the screen to a bathroom window had been removed and was found about seventy five feet from uh, from her house in some tall weeds. Uh, police say and said say now and said then that she had been shot, stabbed, and likely. Uh, sexually abused. And uh, as you mentioned, it was her father who found her body uh, that morning. And uh, one can only imagine uh, what a deeply traumatic um, moment that was uh, for him. And, and I think still is for her family all these years later. Her sister is still alive. Her father is not. No one is picked up for this at least quickly and years go by, but there's a really sort of wild set of circumstances along the way. Can you just sort of describe the investigation and what happened? Yeah, so, so two years after uh, Sylvia Quayle was murdered in 1983, um, Otis Toole, a, a 
real sort of classic drifter who would eventually confess to about a thousand uh, different murders around the country, also confessed to uh, murdering Sylvia Quayle. Sylvia May Quayle was killed two years ago in her home in Cherry Hills Village. She was first shot and then raped and stabbed. Her death has been directly linked to this man, Otis Elwood Toole, a 36-year-old drifter who was awaiting trial in Florida on numerous charges. Colorado Bureau of Investigation officials today said that Sylvia Quayle's murder may have been only one of several murders committed in Colorado by Toole and his partner, Henry Lee Lucas. Here we have two people who are, they come in, they hit, and they go somewhere else. I mean, there's people from Alaska to Florida looking at these two guys. So we decided we should look at them also. What investigators found shocked them. From interviews with both Tool and Lucas, CBI investigators revealed a virtual career of murder and other crimes committed over the years. Arson, petty theft, rape, robbery, and by Tool's and Lucas's own admission, literally hundreds of murders in nearly every state. Investigators said they couldn't hide their revulsion after hearing some of the stories told to them by Tool and Lucas. My experience, and from the officers and investigators, detectives I've talked to, their personal point of view. They've never seen two human beings like this in their life. He confessed, he was charged, and he was in jail uh, uh, for 10 years, not, not on that case, but on other cases. But it took them 10 years um, for them to figure out, for police to figure out that it was not Otis Tool who killed her. Uh, DNA evidence, when, when they finally started using DNA evidence um, on a large scale, they got around to testing uh, DNA evidence, found that the quail crime scene to uh, Otis Tool's uh, DNA, and 10 years later, 10 years after he confessed in 1993, it was determined that, in fact, Otis Tool was not uh, Sylvia Quayle's murderer. And Tool, in fact, had a connection to a very well-known case that I know you, you know a lot about as well. Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, so Otis Tool uh, confessed, one of, the, one of his many confessions uh, was to the Adam Walsh uh, murder in Florida. Adam was the uh, very young son of John Walsh, uh, who was the, the host and um, brains behind America's Most Wanted, where I worked as a producer for a year, so I knew, got to know John um, quite well and um, I'm very familiar with his son's very sad story. So, yes, yeah, so Otis Tool, um, years after he died in prison, police in Florida would determine and say publicly that he was, in fact, Adam Walsh's uh, murderer. Tool's a bad guy, but but not a part of this case. And DNA evidence is used uh, to make that clear that he, he wasn't involved. But still, there were a few years to go before DNA would be used to really get to the bottom of this case, right? That's right. I and mean, it wasn't until earlier this, this year. So uh, 30 years, if my math is correct, um, more than 30 years after the uh, Otis Tool was cleared, um, they finally got what they believed was uh, a good DNA hit on the case. Uh, and they made an arrest uh, just recently of a man in Nebraska. I brought you all here because I'd like to inform you all that there has been an arrest of a suspect in the August 4th, 1981 murder of Miss Sylvia Quayle. In January of 2020, we developed a partnership with Metro Crime Stoppers and United Data Connect that led, led to new information regarding the case and a person of interest. More investigative work followed and an arrest warrant was obtained in January of 2021. 
his name is David Anderson. Um, he had been, he was living in Nebraska for many years, since the early 90s, police say, uh, led what they described as a very quiet life there, no run-ins with law enforcement there, held a job. Really not much is known about him, or at least they're not sharing much about what they know about him. Um, in Colorado, uh, before and then shortly after Sylvia Quayle was murdered, he had some uh, burglary charges against him. He served some time in Colorado prisons for burglary. Um, but until he was arrested uh, recently, uh, law enforcement had not uh, heard about him or from him. Um, my understanding was that he was not a, a suspect until very recently. And what got police to him was uh, genetic genealogy. Um, basically a combination of DNA testing and ancestry testing, really public ancestry records, ancestry.com and a few other databases were used to track him, um, to get to him in the first place, and then uh, using DNA samples to identify him as the, the suspect in the case. And one of the samples they got from him in Nebraska, apparently, uh, was a DNA sample of his from a Coke can, a vanilla Coke can. Um, as uh, police described it. Well, what we did was we took the DNA that was found at the crime scene in this case. Uh, there, there were more than one sample, but we took one of the samples. And what we're looking for is a single source sample. And so we obtained that through the property bureau here at the police department. We took that and we got it sequenced. Then we uploaded that data to two different general open source websites, Family Tree DNA and GEDmatch. And we started to then get connected people that were related to the individual that we were looking for. And we get their DNA. If it matches the crime scene sample, then it gets presented to the DNA, to the district attorney for a determination if charges are appropriate or not. Matt, uh, what's the latest with this David Dwayne Anderson? Where is he now? He has waived extradition, so he's back in Colorado. Um, I believe he's had a preliminary hearing, um, initial hearing, I should say, and we are expecting him uh, to be tried for this crime in Colorado at some point unless the plea deal is reached. So here you have this guy who four decades ago uh, is allegedly involved in this horrific crime. He's been living out his life quietly and now behind bars and and will be, uh, you know, called into a courtroom to answer for this crime down, down the road. Yeah, it's, you know, these stories, for me at least, they, they never get old. Um, these DNA hit stories, you know, 40 years, 30 years, sometimes, you know, even more later, it's, you know, when, when often when the families uh, think they will not get the resolution they had hoped for for so long, they get it. Um, and often, in, in some of these cases, you know, the detectives work on these cases for years, um, just uh, w toiling away um, in back rooms, pouring over records and, and uh, hoping to get DNA hits. And in this one, they got it, and it's pretty remarkable. They must be interested in this this guy uh, in connection to other crimes, or at least have, have wondered that if he was doing something like this. It, it, it's hard to imagine this could be just a one-off case, but but who knows? Right. You never know. And um as they often say in, in, in cases like this, they're, they're looking at all possibilities. 
Matt, I, I should have asked you, what can you tell us about Sylvia Quayle? Uh, and, you know, she, she only lived a, a rather short life, but, but a young woman who uh, was violently attacked and killed. Everybody describes her as a kind, loving, compassionate, um, 34-year-old woman um, whose death just devastated um, her family. Uh, her sister, as I said, is still alive, um, but she has not wanted to talk about it publicly. I think it's just, uh, my understanding is it's just too painful um, to talk about it. She was um, thrilled that an arrest has been made, but at this point, um, I'm told it's just too painful for her to talk about it publicly. Are you familiar with that Cherry Hills Village area outside of Denver? Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, you know, sort of high-end uh, suburb of, of, of Denver now, uh, very low crime. Um, things like this just uh, have never and uh, happened there and, and right now certainly don't. I mean, violent crime is extremely rare in that area. All right, Matt, uh, keep us posted on, on how things go uh, with the suspect and any trial down the road. We appreciate your help once again on the show. Thanks for being here. Great. Thanks, Will. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday, Monday through Friday. Be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a great review if you like what you hear. And if you'd like to learn more about the show and Vault Studios, check out our Facebook group, Inside the Crime Vault. 